This podcast represents my opinion and the opinion of my guests. This is not medical advice, and I am not establishing a patient-physician relationship with any listener. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each patient is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions you may have. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Not Your Doc podcast, our second season. I'm your host, Vanessa, and I'm here with our producer, Seth, and Mr. Not Your Doc himself, Dr. Charles Tadros. How are you doing today, Uh, sir? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Good. Well, um, I'm excited about today's topic because um, I think it's a five-year-old dream, a five-year-old's dream come true, and that is tummy and potty issues. Yeah. We're going to talk about the potty, people. <laughs> so <laughs> are you excited about that, too, Dr. I, I do, you know, it's, uh, it's a bane of a lot of physicians' existence, yeah. so uh, I'm happy to talk about it. All right, awesome. So... Um, in all seriousness, Dr. Tadros is going to go in depth on one of the most common and burdensome chronic healthcare issues that people experience, and that is stomach upset, stomach issues, bathroom issues. Um, what we're talking about is the constellation of symptoms that frequently get labeled IBS or irritable bowel syndrome. Those include abdominal pain, gas, bloating, constipation, and diarrhea. You can think of a Pepto-Bismol commercial if you need it all encapsulated into one. Um, so I'm I'm going to give us a, a little bit of context on the mm-hmm. size of this problem um, in our, not the physical size, but I guess the, <laughs> the <laughs> whatever, the theoretical uh, size of this issue before Dr. Tadros takes over and gives us some more specifics about the disease itself. So um, these symptoms are the number one reason for a trip to the GI doctor, mm-hmm. accounting for millions of visits per year, whether it's, you know, hard time going to the bathroom or constant abdominal pain, gas, whatever, um, millions of visits per year. Um, These symptoms are thought to affect 10 to 15 percent of Americans, um, and it typically affects a higher proportion of women than men. And they are extremely costly in terms of dollars and resources spent. Um, And this includes uh, direct and indirect costs. So Mm -hmm. direct costs, meaning, you know, doctor's visits and treatments and medications and hospital stays and all that. Um, And indirect, meaning loss of productivity. Um, in, in the workforce, people not being able to t- participate in activities and, and, and quality of life declines as well. A conservative estimate um, of that those costs combined, both indirect and direct, are $22 billion a year mm-hmm. in the United States alone. So my source for these last few things there were for, is the International Foundation for Gastrointestinal Disorders, which Dr. Tadros pointed out sounds made up. <laughs> but I found I found a couple of other uh, uh, resources to cross-reference this with. And the $22 billion per year is an estimate that several other sources shared. So this is, this is a big problem, right, Dr. Tadros? It is. It's expensive. It's time-consuming. It's... Uh... I've had people not be able to leave the house uh, generally for for social occasions for years at a time because of this. Yeah, Yeah, it can really impact people's quality of life. Um, And, you know, you've told us before that it's up there with low back pain and tiredness and fatigue in terms of how common of of an issue it is. Yes. Um, Can you just tell us more about why you wanted to discuss this topic today? 
Well, certainly, it's, as you mentioned, it's the number one reason to see specialists, the GI specialists. It's a terrible name, GI and gastroenterologist. There's no, uh, there's a gastrointestinal enterologist. But anyway, so uh, oh, that's that's a specialist. That, yeah. That's a specialist who trained like I did in his internal medicine. Then went on after that to do a fellowship in in, in uh, just about the bowel and the and the pancreas and the liver. Mm. Uh, so that's that's a uh, that's what their specialization is. Uh, takes up those are expensive guys and gals to see. Mm-hmm. They run expensive of tests um and uh and when i was back in med school back 30 plus years ago 35 years ago um this was all lumped in as a kind of a waste packs waste basket term as a functional bowel disorder hmm. uh, but over the last uh, 30 years we've kind of separated out some of the the the, the, the signs and symptoms uh that some people will get and used to be lumped under uh, um, the functional bowel disorder or irritable bowel syndrome, which is different than inflammatory bowel disease, which is a different thing. Yeah. But irritable bowel syndrome. But now we have um, um, other diagnoses that are much more, uh, that should be treated differently than just uh, what we do with irritable bowel. So we can uh, we can come back to that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, were, are, were stomach issues and just, you know, functional bowel issues, things that you, uh, problems you observe frequently in your own patient right. population? Yeah, it's very extremely common. Men, men and women Women, uh, certainly I have it. Uh, um, uh, and uh, as you mentioned, women on average have it more than men mm-hmm. uh, do. It can be associated with a whole host of issues from uh, 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 trauma to uh, to uh, anxiety, uh, which is neuroses. The old term is neuroses, uh, to depression um, and uh, and can be associated with uh, stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So let's let's start with a um, with some symptoms. Okay. You kind of gave us a definition that functional bowel or motility disorder, mm-hmm. um, and the the symptoms often overlap <clears throat> with other diseases. So we're going to kind of get into that a little bit more later. So let's start with symptoms. Common symptoms being abdominal pain, bloating, gas, constipation, diarrhea. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about the red flag symptoms that are associated with this too. Yeah. So uh, the the other thing I should mention besides abdominal pain, which includes cramp. And that's a key as a key feature uh, for a lot of uh, people, um, and we'll come back to that. But the red flags, red flags are just reasons to stop. Kind of as you can imagine, it's like a red stop sign or sure. a red red light. Stop, uh, and this is a sign of danger. Uh, so if 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 you if anybody's having abdominal discomforts, whether it's bloating, constipation, cramping, etc., and you have fevers or chills. Then, then we have to worry about stuff like infection and inflammation. It's not just irritable bowel or spastic colon or nervous mm-hmm. stomach. So certainly red flag symptoms are fevers or chills, night sweats. Night sweats come with certain tumors and some, uh, some um, abscesses. Persistent nausea that's not relieved with emesis, without, doesn't feel better whenever you puke. Bloody stool or black stool. So it turns out that, that, uh, that oxidized blood, oxidized uh, iron, uh, is black, uh, so uh, uh, it's black and sticky like tar. I know I'm getting gross here, mm. but it's actually it's, uh, sticky like tar. And we told y'all it was the potty episode. We got is. you covered. We got, pot, we got a po- <laughs> potty mouth. Uh, and blood, and the blood could be anything from bright red. Uh, some people say, oh, it's bright red, it's hemorrhoids. Not always. Uh, bright red to kind of maroon or kind of a darkish, deepish, uh, like a brick brick red. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Uh, so, so far, fevers and chills. Uh, night sweats, persistent nausea that's not relieved with 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 uh, with uh, throwing up, uh, blood in the stool. Uh, mm-hmm. It could be even blood without stool. Um, mm. Black stool. Uh, this is a sticky like tar, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and then loss of appetite and or weight loss. 
So this is a tricky problem because a lot of people are happy that they're like, I don't feel as hungry. Mm-hmm. And God, by golly, people are telling me I look, I look good. great. I look good. And that's a bad, bad sign. It's one thing to struggle and to diet, to exercise and look good. It's another thing to lose it where it melts off of you and, and, and you haven't even tried. Bad, bad sign if you're not trying to lose weight and you're losing weight. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Um, I, I definitely, in, in our discussions preparing for this episode, I was, uh, definitely intrigued by some of the past treatments and explanations Mm -hmm. for some of this stuff that you Mm -hmm. shared. So as you said before, this can, you know, IBS is kind of, or functional bowel motility or whatever can kind of be a a wastebasket diagnosis, Mm -hmm. like an, an easy diagnosis that isn't very specific to a cause, um, but what what were some other you know past ways of thinking about and treating this? I mean, obviously you mentioned neurosis and you know spastic colon and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, so uh, certainly uh, in the old days we used to do all sorts of uh, well, well even before my time, uh, people would get enemas, uh, you know, if they were constipated. Uh, people were given Valium because of their neuroses or anxieties, which mm. actually could help. By the way, where we actually use some some products like that. Um, um, uh, uh, people who are constipated, besides the enemas, they would get uh, 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 mineral oil uh, enemas, and they would have to cascara and uh, other things that they would swallow. That was that was hor- horrific, uh, terrible, uh, <laughs> terrible things. Um, a lot of children have issues that are emotional that are related to the bowels. Yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, kids that want to control uh, things that will control their bowels, and uh, uh, certainly if kids are not eating enough fiber, not enough fluids, not active enough, they'll tend to be more constipated. But a lot of parents fixate on the kids' bowels, and the kids, of course, become uh, neurotic about their uh, bowels. And there's a lot of struggle about, uh, you know, uh, uh, first of all, potty training, but eventually yeah. that the kids won't go, you know, those kids will sit for a half hour on the toilet, not have a bowel movement and stuff like that. And they end up in the pediatricians and pediatric GI office. Right. Um, now, some kids have congenitals. They're born with certain very severe issues that can cause bowel issues. But the vast majority of kids that are having uh, struggles with their parents about bowel issues are, mm-hmm. are uh, uh, functional and emotional and and, uh, and stress-related. Sure. I know, um, you know, as we mentioned at the outset, this tends to affect females more than males. So, mm-hmm. it, and, you know, females are typically almost written off as just this neurotic mm-hmm. female issue, sure. not necessarily, a, you know, right. an, an actual medical issue that they're right. experiencing. Yeah. It, w- w- well, so physicians, I'll, I'll, I'll out a bunch of physicians, including me. You know, physicians, uh, whenever it comes to headaches, mm. uh, uh, abdominal and pelvic pains, low back pains, uh, all these physicians kind of roll out. Uh, you know, a vast majority of these are not lethal. Uh, a good chunk of these are chronic. Um, and a good chunk of these uh, are, are uh, it just take up quite a bit of time from the physician. Sometimes these patients end up with multiple, with multiple ER visits, multiple specialists, uh, et cetera. Women, women are more complicated than men in several ways when it comes to pelvic and abdominal pain mm-hmm. uh, because of the uh, ovaries and the fallopian tubes in the uterus and the menstrual cycle is more complicated than what guys have to put up with. So it adds uh, a multi- another lo- level of complexity. Um, so women can see a urologist for your, for the kidneys and bladder. They can see they can see a GI doctor uh, for their uh, you know their, their intestines and their liver and their their pancreas. Uh, but they also have to see a gynecologist. Uh, so they have another layer uh, sure. of uh, of complexity. Um, 
Um, and that shouldn't be dismissed, right? <laughs> should, not be, should not be dismissed. We should yeah. be able. We should be able to treat everybody. We should be able to improve. Maybe not get rid of, not cure. But we should be able to improve people's lives. Sure. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, so um, one thing that you had mentioned before it, for a, a treatment, I think, was doing a rigid scope. What yeah. was that about? So, yeah, well before we had flexible, <laughs> yeah, people don't realize this. Uh, well before we had uh, a flexible, uh, so your, your EGD, upper uh, esophageal gastroduodenoscopy, uh, way back in the old days, um, and actually sometimes now for cancer surgeries, instead of a flexible scope. Okay, uh, well, I need you to back sure. up there. What What is that? Yeah. Put a scope through your mouth, down right, your esophagus? Right. Okay, right. all right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, esophago gastroduodenoscopy, EGD. So, esophagus is the first part back okay. of your throat, from the back of your throat down to your stomach. Yeah. And then your stomach is gastro. And, and then, then duodenum, duodenum okay. is, right. is, uh, is the next, the first part of the small intestines after the okay. stomach. So, uh, in the old days, we used to have rigid, they wouldn't, they couldn't do rigid all the way down through the duodenum, uh, but they would have to, scope esophagus through a rigid scope sometimes they actually have to do that nowadays for it's like a straight pipe yeah down straight, here. straight pipe straight pipe <laughs> rigid yeah you have to kind of uh, work hard to get, get it down there freaking but torture anyway, device it is it is a torture <laughs> device and uh the same thing so for for certain surgical procedures they need a rigid one but in the old days we did not have flexible optical scopes yeah uh you know with the fiber optic scopes nowadays you can you know you you can is they're they're wonderful color full color pictures on a video mm. screen above your head all sorts of wonderful things and the same thing with the colonoscopy. We certainly couldn't do the whole colon with a rigid scope, but right. but first uh, first uh, a little bit uh, a rigid flex, uh, a rigid uh, uh, sigmoidoscopy. Oh boy, what yeah. a time to be alive! Yeah. it's we're, a much we're, better we're, time. We're a thousand to times better. IBS. And we have we have, pro, we have propofol where we can knock yeah, people, we, right. can, we can knock people out. Not every country, by the way, uh, has the same. Um, will pay or has the same so in Europe oftentimes they can do a full colonoscopy all five feet without 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 Ooh. without anesthetic without <laughs> so I, I'm glad to be in America in a lot of ways yeah anyway. goodness gracious okay so that was that was then this is now um today's approach it takes a lot of time and effort to identify the root causes right and many many docs aren't gonna even explore half of, of the causes or things that we talk about today right. because of what limitations on time and knowledge, right? Well, it is, but also if they, they try to go by your history, if, if you if you could eat bread fine without any gas or bloating, mm-hmm. it's unlikely that you're going to have any uh, any uh, gluten problems. Okay. So yeah. They could eliminate that, that, that set of tests. Sure. Okay. So um, the, you know, the, the diagnostic sequence or whatever essentially starts with a visit to your primary care physician mm-hmm. or urgent care with, you know, your whatever your complaints is. And the clinician mm-hmm. is going to look for specific and or emergency causes first. Right. right? Yeah. The red, the red flag symptoms, by the way, uh, the, 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 you know, the fevers, chills, night sweats, uh, persistent nausea, bl- blood in the stool, black stool, loss of appetite or weight loss, unintentional weight loss. Mm-hmm. All that stuff needs to be, that's urgent stuff, whether you're primary care or your GI doctor or sometimes an ER, depending if it's fevers and chills, you can't see your doctor for the weekend. Sometimes it's the mm-hmm. emergency room, uh, unfortunately. Uh, so, yeah, that's why we have red flag symptoms. And those need to be ferreted out early because that's not irritable bowel. Yeah. None of those are should be irritable bowel at all. Should yeah. we say that these are typically like chronic issues that, mo- that most people, like, 
No, yeah. There's yeah, some help, are, some help these, me, yeah. Yeah, some of these are, from, from the red flag symptoms, some of these are, are, are acute. Sure. Uh, so they're fairly acute. Most people don't have weeks and months of fevers and chills. They right. They'll come in sooner. But they might so have weeks and months of just di- loose stool right. and, you know, stomach cramps and constipation right. and stuff now, like that. I'm, okay. Yeah, I'm talking about the red flag symptoms. That's right. Usually they're more, more. Yeah, the only one that slides by us in the red flag symptoms is weight loss. Uh, yeah, some yeah. people will lose 10, 15, 20 pounds and nobody will notice. 30 pounds, nobody sure. will notice or they'll compliment your how good yeah. you look and stuff like that. So that's that sometimes can go for months. But typically, if you're having black stool blood, so we tend to hear about that fairly quickly. Quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I hate to tell this to people because people are going to make fun, but check your toilet whenever you. And I'm 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 going to step around. and I'm going to talk about something else in a second, but just uh, you know, you look at your skin, you look at your face, you look at your tongue whenever you brush your teeth and stuff like that. Uh, look at your stool before you flush it, before you bury it with toilet paper and stuff like that. You don't have to do it every single time, mm-hmm. uh, and you don't have to do it when just whenever you're having symptoms. I want people to check because some things are silent, and we could come back to that stuff, but. Just like, you know, you, 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 we just happen to look at our hands a lot because they just happen to be in front of us. We wash right. them. We, we can return them. It's nobody, skin on our faces, right. that kind of stuff. Yeah. So people tend not to check their, uh, their stool. I'm not mm-hmm. telling you to, to grab baggies. <laughs> right. and Sift gonna, through uh, it. And, 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 and mush through it or bring me samples. <laughs> Uh, I, I has not, that happened I, before? I'm not. I am not kidding. Every 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 doc in the universe has had somebody bring them a sample from their home toilet, uh, and we can come back to that another day. Right. Anyway. Um, okay. Yeah. But just you know, pay attention to changes. Obviously. Right. right. Okay. So. The, the, you know, the visit to your primary care physician, you're not a GI doc or anything yet. That's right. So if, if the issue is f- found to not be specific or emergency, it's an urgent issue. Right. Typically they'll suggest, they'll start by suggesting lifestyle or diet adjustments. They'll pres- prescribe a, mer- a medication or like a barium enema, et cetera, something like that, right? So you're jumping kind of ahead. So oh. phys- history and physical, it's just like anything yep. else, history and physical, uh, make sure how chronic it is. Some things are acute and some things are much more chronic, gas bloating, uh, intermittent loose stool and that type of stuff, uh, cramps. Oftentimes it's chronic, intermittent. It's mm-hmm. not every single day, not every single bowel movement, not every single meal. So they have to get that because that helps focus in sure. the differential. And then typically... Uh, some people get rectal exams. You, a lot of times you don't need it. Basic blood work just to make sure that there's nothing going on. Basic in terms of your white cell count, your kidney and liver numbers, et cetera. And oftentimes if it's, if it's just like we said, just uh, young middle-aged people, they're otherwise healthy, uh, no, no family history for anything bad, inflammatory bowel disease like Crohn's or ulcerative colitis or family mm-hmm. history of, col- of cancer, then typically it's f- higher fiber, uh, whether it's higher fiber foods or actually f- fiber supplements. Um, I don't like the capsule ones. I tend to have the, uh, I'll use name brand, Citrusella and Metamucil. This mm-hmm. is called Plantsillium. Um, and uh, it's undigestible fiber that uh, tends to attract water. So it bulks up. It's called bulk like mm-hmm. uh, bulk, uh, bulk stool softeners. They bulk up in your colon and your colon squeezes uh, them uh, through and uh, it uh, it uh, is, helps you get more regular bowel movements. What's the difference between something like that and like Miralax? Yeah. So, uh, so, uh, the, the most natural thing, which is what our food is, and if they concentrate it into a capsule or into a, into a teaspoon of powder, that's what I want people to use. So uh, Miralax and other products tend to draw water in, but it's not necessarily a natural product and stuff okay. like that. Okay. It's not uh, bulking up your stool, right, which might be bulking, more the issue right. if you're having chronic diarrhea or something right. like that. So, okay. yeah. So, uh, so, we, so bulk stool softeners is what our favorite uh, choice is. You can't, quote, unquote, overdose on bulk stool yeah. softeners. That's the, uh, the, uh, the, the benefibers and the citrus 
nitrosols and the metamucils of the world. Fibrocon, I think, is mainly capsule. Mm -hmm. I, I tend not to use it because it's not enough uh, bulk. Uh, stuff sure. Like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And obviously, you can get those nutrients from whole, uh, a whole grain and, and leafy green vegetables that's and right. stuff like so that, that's, too. And that's improving we, your diet That's how is we important. normally get it. That's yeah. correct. It's uh, whole grains and and uh, and, uh, and, uh, and and uh, other uh, vegetables. That's yeah. Right. Okay. Fibrous, fibrous vegetables. So um, if so, what about um, medications? Is there like a is, is there medication that might be mm -hmm. reached for you know once it's sort of established what's going on? Mm -hmm. Sure. So if 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 you're having it depends on if you're the, if you're having more diarrhea, more constipation, mm -hmm. more bloating. But there's uh, medicines for cramps. Uh, so they're antispasmodics, anticholinergics. Uh, so uh, some of the typical name brands is uh, is Levsin or Hi uh, Levsin or hyosimine, it's also called hyosimine. Bentol is another one. Those are typical anti-cramping uh, uh, medications. So that's some, if that's cramping is the biggest problem for you, mm -hmm. uh, that's the first thing. Um, there are, if you tend to have um, more uh, more uh, uh, constipation, so cramps, and you feel like you have to go have bowel movement, but there's not much bowel movement, or you small pellets, or uh, or you feel like you defecate, but you don't feel like you 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 evacuated enough. It still mm -hmm. feels like you still Fullness. have to go. You have to mm -hmm. still have to have more. Then there's some ones that came out several years ago. that are more since Amatiza and Linzess. These help the colon uh, in, it contract and squeeze mm -hmm. out uh, more. Uh, and you could combine these. You can use fiber plus Linzess. You know, so you can do more than one thing at once. Uh, the typical natural stuff, like I said before, so it turns out fluids, I call it fluids, fiber, and fun, fun ah, being exercise. So okay. fluids, drinking drinking plenty of water because you want to make sure not only, uh, you know, water certainly goes through your sweat, through your breath, and uh, and through your kidneys, but also you have water in your stool. And that's help, uh, helps, uh, so that's the uh, fluids. Um, and I don't think there's any set amount. People say eight or 12 glasses a day. Uh, I don't think that's, uh, that's the issue. Drink more if you're constipated. Uh, so that's uh, so that's water, uh, fiber. Like I mm -hmm. mentioned, whether it's uh, uh, you know the the in your diet. Um, and I tend I tend to be, and I know a lot of people love their Vitamixes and stuff like that. I tend to want people to eat stuff. I don't want it to be mulched uh, for you. I, I, so I know I know people. I I I love Vitamix. I love the soups and stuff like that. But I'd rather have people. I'm not talking telling people to eat raw <clears throat> everything. But I'd rather have people chew uh, their, their 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 instead of drink their fiber. Sure. Um, certainly, fiber supplements is separate. But but I'd rather have them uh, if it's going to be part of their diet. I'd rather have them do it. Yep. Uh, if you're not going to have anything done at all, you know, you're never going to chew. Fine, put it in your Vitamix with your make your smoothie kale, kale and make your smoothie. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. So um, th those are kind of like the, t you know, the, the typical first line things. Mm -hmm. If those things aren't helpful, then what's step two? Well, certainly, certainly if people are not getting better with, with we, we think it's irritable bowel um, and, and they're not getting better uh, with, with the, the typical irritable bowel uh, uh, symptom uh, uh, treatment uh, treatments, then typically we need imaging. And okay. so that's the next thing. It depends where, where your symptoms are. If sure. it's if it's lower if it's lower abdomen than colon, if it's upper belly like heartburny and and, belt and and bloating up high, uh, and, and feeling full and uh, stuff like that, then upper endoscopy sometimes both. That only covers that only covers the first three or four feet from the above and the first five uh, the last five feet from below. Yeah. So in between you have maybe another eighteen feet of small intestines that we can't see, and so for that that's a little harder to get to. There's something called. Uh, capsule endoscopy, uh, where you actually swallow a camera that's in the form of a capsule, mm -hmm. and you swallow it, and it tracks it down, takes pictures on the way down, and you poop it out, and you return it. 
Uh, so it's about, there's another there's a giant scope that we used to use in the old days. Then there's also some uh, CAT scans with with bear with, with where you swallow like bearing, contrast. with okay, contrast yeah. and swallow contrast and it'll track it down. So there's different ways to look at the, the small intestine. So the first uh, three three or four feet is your 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 esophagus, stomach, and and and, and duodenum. That's the upper endoscopy or EGD, um, and then your colon is the last five feet. Um, and then, and then in between, you uh, you have the small intestines. Yeah. Got it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was kind of a very brief overview of like today's approach to treating this. Now we're going to get into causes because that's really the mm-hmm. the interesting part. And we said before that there's so much overlap in these symptoms with mm-hmm. other diseases that right. you know um, lots of different things can account for IBS symptoms in general. Right. Um, and you wrote a great blog post on your Not Your Doc blog mm-hmm. um, about IBS as kind of the basis of today's uh, mm-hmm. episode. So when I was reviewing your blog post, um, it seemed to me that the causes for these symptoms kind of break down into four categories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we had infections, mm-hmm. inflammations, mm-hmm. malabsorptions, so the body's inability to absorb mm-hmm. um, a necessary nutrient, right? Or something. It or something. Right. Sure. Right. Some product. Uh-huh. Um, and anatomical issues. Does mm-hmm. that ring pretty much true? That's right. Okay. Those categories. All right. Great. Can you, before we get into the specifics of these, can you give us like mm-hmm. a brief definition of what each one of those things is? So an infection, yeah, inflammation, it, malabsorption, anatom- anatom- anatomical issue. Yeah. So <laughs> our mouth has germs. Our, 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 our esophagus doesn't have many germs. Our stomach doesn't have many germs because it's got a lot of acid that kills germs. Mm-hmm. So our mouth has quite a few germs and not much in our esophagus and stomach. Uh, not much in our small intestines, a small amount of small intestines, like 18, 20 feet. Uh, that's our duodenum, jejunum, and ileum. And then our colon has got massive amount of germs. That's why your poop, uh, your poop has, uh, has, uh, has bacteria, and that's why you wash your hands mm-hmm. after you wipe and stuff like that. Uh, so, uh, so it turns out that uh, whenever people have infections, and uh, this is so you could certainly have uh, dysentery. This is acute diarrhea, lots of lots of uh, stuff like that. We're not talking about that. That's right. acute sickness with some sort of bacteria. Sure. That's that's an acute problem. But some people can have some some uh, low grade chronic issues that can mimic uh, that can mimic irritable bowel. Gotcha. So uh, one of them is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Is SIBO, SIB for boy O, SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Remember. The small intestines doesn't have much bacteria, so there's an overgrowth of bacteria from their colon seems to seed and overgrow in the in the small bowels, mm. and uh, that can show up as uh, uh, that uh, that can show up as bloating and gas and feeling full, and even some people severe cases with weight loss. Uh, they can have diarrhea, not usually constipation. You can't have constipation, but not usually. But these people can even have bloating and weight loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's SIBO. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we actually can diagnose that with a breath test. They give you a special type of they give you a special type of sugar, um, and they check either for hydrogen or methane, if I remember correctly, uh, in a breath test mm-hmm. uh, that you do. Um, and then they can treat it with antibiotics, with sometimes probiotics or prebiotics. Um, uh, and some other things like that. Mm-hmm. SIBO is it tends to be increased in uh, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Tends to be increased in people who've had in, intestinal surgeries, uh, like uh, um, Belroth two, Ruin Y, uh, other blind pouches. Uh, so, um, uh, 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 so that's the first thing. People who've been on antibiotics uh, sometimes will have uh, SIBO, um, and uh, sometimes people with just who are stressed sometimes will have SIBO. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, those are some of the, some of the reasons. 
Before we get into the other specifics, let's just say that an infection is caused by a, a virus, a bacteria, or pa- parasite, right? Yeah, or fungus. The, or fungus. Or fungus. Or Those fungus are kind of like the, basis, the mm-hmm. basic issues that right. are right. Okay. Right. And then... Um, Inflammation is a, an autoimmune response, correct? It could be to, uh, it could be part of an infection. It could be part of a, uh, an immune response or autoimmune response. That's correct. Gotcha. Okay. Then um, malabsorption yeah. is just an inability of the body to absorb. Suck, suck out whatever you put down in there. And yeah. Whether that's how part of laxatives work. They, they stay in your intestines. They draw fluid into it mm-hmm. and they make your intestines squeeze out the stuff. So, so it's some, not getting, it's not getting absorbed into your bloodstream and put to work in your, in your body. It's right. just passing all the way through the system. Right. That's right. That's okay. Right. And then an anatomical issue would be some, some physical anatomical issue with the structure of your body, right. structure of body parts and organs right. related to these things. Right. That's correct. You got okay. it. Cool. So let's let's get back into infections. So yep. we kind of covered SIBO. We've got tell tell us more about these other ones. Um, so small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. We've this kind of we've kind of become familiar with them in the last 10, 15, uh, last fifteen years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, you could be placed on special antibiotics that help them. Sometimes they be, they're chronic and they can't clear it. Uh, and but you can sometimes treat it with a, with a, with a, with, a, with a certain types of diet. Uh, um, uh, FODMAP, and uh, we can make a link, a link to that. Certain types of diet with the, the, that are, have a sur- s- decreased uh, uh, type of, um, uh, of uh, sugars and uh, that, that tend to be fermented. Mm-hmm. Um, diverticulitis. Now, diverticulitis oftentimes is acute. It's uh, pockets in the colon. Just think mm-hmm. of just think of uh, uh, if you took a finger inside the colon and just pushed out, but didn't rupture all the way through. It'd be from inside the colon pushing out. Mm-hmm. So these sometimes can uh, become acutely infected. Like it almost feels like appendicitis, but it's on the left lower uh, pelvis and left lower belly mm-hmm. instead of the, uh, um, the appendix is on the right hand side sure. of your body. Uh, but some people can have a low grade uh, stuff. They can so do what what happens there? Just material gets mm-hmm. caught in this little out pocket right. and it doesn't clear out and it starts to. Get fester, fester, ferment fester. Fester, 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 okay, right. yeah, right. So usually we don't think, think of it as so much chronic, but acute. Then the other thing which we don't see very much in the United States is, yep. GR, is GR parasites. Mm-hmm. So some parasites, uh, obviously, within seven days of leaving Mexico, let's say, uh, you'll get diarrhea in the United States. You're sure. there for a week. You don't get so much diarrhea there, but you mm-hmm. get it once you get back. Uh, oftentimes, that's not E. coli or salmonella. That's, sure. that's Giardia. Giardia can be in tainted water supplies, that's correct. right? That's um, correct. We, we, you can see it on farms. You yeah. can see it on well water, well water where people have to uh, well, they, they bring up their own well water um, on their property. It's not treated properly and stuff like that. It's a parasite. There are other parasites out there that can do this, but mm-hmm. Giardia is very common. And I, I had my version of Giardia, my, my Giardia whenever I came from Mexico 20 years ago. Oof. When, I, when I visited Mexico and yeah. came, came back home. Yeah. Yikes. So um, if I go to the doctor and they suspect it might be some sort of infection, they're going to, typically mm-hmm. this is going to be like an acute onset, right? Of some of this stuff, some of it's acute. Uh, some of it, uh, the the it's not uh, the diverticulitis potential could be acute. SIBO may not feel that acute, and uh-huh. giardia, chronic giardia would have been acute diarrhea and stuff like that. And uh, but then it may go away, kind of away. Then you're left with kind of this kind of rumbly, grumbly stomach with bel- sulfur belching. It smells uh-huh. like it smells like rotten eggs sometimes. Uh-huh. So sometimes, so initially may look acute. Then it seems to get better, uh, but then it ling- these things linger. Interesting. So do some of because they're they can be they can linger for so long do 
Do some of the infectious causes get missed then? Yes, yeah, okay. they, they'll get missed. Yeah, not too many people. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll catch the majority. They'll say, "I was, uh, you know, I was in Central America. I was scuba diving." Two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah two weeks uh -huh. ago. And it's pretty easy to to, to 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 get stool samples. And even if they're not positive, because sometimes you can miss uh, parasites uh, because they sometimes are not shed into the stool regularly. Uh -huh. um, uh, even if you miss that. Um, you can uh, you can still treat uh, empirically high, because of the risk uh, that you and the symptoms then um, and, and uh, you can see if they improve yeah mm. okay very interesting all right let's move on to inflammations mm -hmm. inflammations yeah we talk about irritable bowel IBS and one that's very commonly confused with is IBD so inflammatory bowel disease and inflammatory bowel disease can mimic IBS uh, and the inflammatory bowel disease is Crohn's uh, ulcerative colitis and microscopic colitis and microscopic colitis, are several mm. different types. But um, these are things that are, uh, that are um, autoimmune. Um, the immune system is attacking intestines in this case. Mm -hmm. And uh, antibiotics don't uh, directly help. Uh, usually it's steroids and immune suppressants um, and uh, other immune modulators. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, but, it can, but you can have, like for instance, Crohn's, you can have small patches of it in your small intestines, so it's not easy to find on upper endoscopy, not easy to find on colonoscopy, but you have patches in your small intestines, you may not bleed from them, and you may have you know, diarrhea and, mm. and uh, abdominal pains and gas and bloating. Interesting. So it may mimic ir irritable bowel. So the, and the severity of these things kind of lies on a spectrum, right? There can Big be mi mild versions to very severe versions. Very severe, life-threatening versions. Yeah, yeah life-threatening versions, yeah. Okay. The next one is gluten enteropathy. So gluten is uh, is uh, is a product that's found in, in barley and in wheat and in a bunch of other products uh, that uh, are, that we grow. And unfortunately, it's in a lot of products that we have in our shelves and our refrigerators. So a lot of some soy sauce, some of our capsules in our, in our some of the capsules, our vitamins and mm -hmm. capsules will have gluten in, in them. Mm -hmm. um, it's used as a thickener, as a, as a, binder, as a binder yeah. and thickener in foods and stuff like that. So it's not just in bread, um, uh, but it's typically most people talk about it as in bread or in wheat. Um, and so some people, uh, and it runs in my family, have celiac sprue, which is not, uh, we'll talk about intolerance, but this is an actual autoimmune disease where your body uh, attacks your intestines uh, when it's exposed to uh, the gluten. Hmm. And, so and, gluten's the trigger. Yep, that's right. Interesting for, for the for, for the autoimmune, uh, and so the so these people cl classically in med school we were taught that these people will lose they look like they're malnourished they'll lose weight they'll have diarrhea they'll have malabsorption of vitamins so they'll have vitamin deficiencies iron deficiency sometimes anemia um, they can have uh, extra GI outside the GI symptom uh, area uh, uh, they can have uh, other other problems psychiatric problems depression mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And if, if it's undiagnosed and untreated, uh, in the treatment I'll talk about in a second, um, they can go on to have small bowel lymphoma. So the intestines, wow. yeah. intestines can have get lymphoma. Wow. Um, so the treatment, unfortunately, we don't have pills or anything like that. We don't really use steroids or immunosuppressants for these people. We, they just have to avoid gluten. Yeah. And not just to avoid gluten just like by not eating bread. They can't have you know lots of soy sauces. They can't have certain pills or capsules. They can't have. They can't share the same cutting board or the same toaster. They're going to use gluten-free bread. Wow. They can't share the same toaster. They can't share the same knife. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you could wash it and stuff like that and right. give it to them. So, uh, but the, the problem is this: is what we call cross-contamination. Right. When you touch, whenever you touch um, 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 
if they, if you touch if, if you open up a peanut uh, uh, peanut butter jar and then you because you spread it on bread you you know the the knife goes back in the peanut butter jar takes some of the bread and yeah. gluten in with it so they they can't even use that they have to have their own sure. so yeah but that but it's, they'll 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 feel better within literally within a few weeks of stopping gluten these people are so sensitive uh, just a small a few a few micrograms is enough to trigger a whole immune system response that's, that's insane. I, I think it's important to mention here that, um, you know, we've got these four categories that we've broken up things into, but they overlap frequently. Yes. So gluten sure. enteropathy, for example, is both a malabsorption and an inflammatory yep. response, correct? That's right. Yeah, they, okay. that's right. They won't absorb and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, Keep going. Then endometriosis, which we sometimes forget. Uh, oftentimes women, this is for women, uh, the lining of the uterus uh, that's uh, that's uh, between the cervix and the fallopian tubes is, uh, is the uterus, the lining of the uterus that cycles with the menstrual uh, cycle, right? It thickens, uh, and then it waits to receive an egg uh, that's hopefully fertilized. If not, it uh, the egg, egg, egg in the lining of the uterus gets dumped out as part of the menstruation. Uh, but sometimes this lining uh, will actually escape the uterus, right. and it, uh, we typically think it goes up through the fallopian tubes, and it can implant anywhere. It can implant in your brain, in your lungs, in your abdomen. Um, so these people, whenever they menstruate, whenever they cycle, and they and they they kind of build up the the lining, they'll build up the lining, uh, the little piece of lining that's stuck on your liver or on your lungs or in your brain and then whenever and then whenever you um, whenever you're not you're not, if an egg doesn't implant is not fertilized uh, it'll slough the, the the uterine lining but it also will bleed in those other spots yeah, also that is, what a, just a, what a wild condition yeah. is that is that triggered by the hormones yeah so to... we don't we don't fully understand certainly it happens it seems to happen in people that have had uh, that uh, that have had uh, uh, pelvic inflammatory disease, PID, yeah. uh, seems to be an issue with, uh, with some of these. And I'm not sure some of the other risk factors, but it's a, it's an interesting, well, it's a, interesting to me, but sure. it's, a, it's a horrible thing. Interesting, for a woman. But, but wild and horrible. That's yeah, right. Absolutely. And you can regulate, right, like you mentioned, you can regulate uh, these people uh, the, where, where the, this endometriosis, uh, endometrium has spread into their body by, by putting them on birth control pills because they sure. will respond to uh, uh, not, uh, not cycling, you know, we exactly. want people not to cycle right. and stuff like that. So wow. you can go in and uh, you can go in and laser, you can go in and um, uh, laser off areas if they're accessible mm. uh, and stuff like that, but it doesn't mean that it's all gone. Um, uh, it could cause, uh, it could cause um, adhesions in the, in the abdomen, but so the intestines get trapped by adhesions, by scar tissue, mm -hmm. and you can have bowel obstruction, et cetera. Oh, man. Um, so that one's both anatomical and inflammatory, right? Right. Okay. right. And so when it, you can imagine whenever this, uh, this stuff won't attach on the inside, but the outside of the intestines and stuff like that. And oh you can imagine gosh. that would irritate, you know, bleeding from yes. the outside, on, attached to the outside intestines could cause abdominal abdominal pains. And, of course. Uh, yeah. Okay. And then something called mast cell activation syndrome, but not everybody believes in this, M M MCAS, MCAS. Uh, mast cells are a type of white cells that you that you have that are that are involved in inflammation and a part of the immune system, um, and um, they can it can have a whole host of signs and symptoms. Everything from uh, people with that, that can have uh, cause people to feel everything from fibromyalgia like muscle aches and depression, and um, and uh, but they also these people can have irritable bowel like symptoms. Uh, so that's the other thing that you can sometimes see with mast cell activation um, uh, in some of these people. Um, uh, so that's uh, uh, the, some very specialized people out there, uh, sometimes allergists. This is different than uh, uh, there's, there's some very severe cases that are 
that are uh, that are that are uh, that you can see allergists for and stuff like yeah. that. But sometimes there's some uh, some other physicians out there that do work with the mast cell activation mm-hmm. patients. So kind of as we saw with infections, they can are are mm-hmm. can these inflammations be sort of like long-standing conditions yes, yes, that cause yeah. some of these things? Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. again, could be missed, right? That's, that's right. It's mistaken or missed. Yeah. Uh, or uh, it doesn't quite fit the, the 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 pattern that we would expect to see, and people will ignore one or two things that are not in the pattern. And mm-hmm. So yeah. Okay. Wow. Let uh, let's move on to malabsorptions. Sure. This is very common because it includes art, a lot of artificial sweeteners like what we a lot of us use. So uh, fructose uh, intolerance and, and uh, is, uh, is, so it's a type of sh- uh, sugar. Mm-hmm. Uh, lactose, which is uh, the sugar in milk, mm-hmm. milk products. Fructose cream, is, a sh- is a sugar in fruits, that's correct? Right, that's, so, right, okay, that's right, that's right, natural. That's yeah, part natural of the problem. Sugar, yeah. That's part of the problem. It's like, well, I'm eating my natural, uh, su- yeah. natural I'm not adding any sucrose or table sugar, yeah. uh, but the end result is some of these people can't tolerate fructose and they can't eat fruits, uh, yeah. certain not in quantities, and not have malabsorption right. uh, where you can't absorb it and uh, you can do fructose intolerance. You can also diagnose this also with a breath test, a special type of Interesting. breath test. Lactose intolerance is pretty easy because you just stop milk and, and, and cheese and and, um, and ice cream, and your and your gas bloating and diarrhea tends to get better. Mm-hmm. Raffinose, which is uh, legumes or beans and cruciferous vegetables like um, like uh, broccoli. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some of these people intolerance. Uh, then, then the artificial sweeteners. Unfortunately, we like all that's the pink stuff, which is uh, yeah. which is sweet and Aspartame. low. Aspartame. Yep, that's right. Sweet. Uh, yeah, the pink stuff is sweet and low, which is saccharin. The blue stuff is equal, which is aspartame. Right. And the yellow stuff is Splenda, which is uh, uh, sucralose. Sucralose. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. So those three uh, are uh, that why they're non-calorie sweeteners is because you don't absorb them. Yeah. <laughs> and they're sweet. They're super sweet. Uh, they're sometimes sweet to the point of bitter. Ugh. But but then you don't absorb them. But unfortunately, some people are so sensitive that they end up having diarrhea and yeah. gas and gas and bloating. Yeah, and so that's one of the problems. Actually, there's a whole interesting thing we should talk about uh, later uh, with uh, with uh, some of these how they may affect the gut microbiome. Right, and uh, uh, so it'd be interesting. And then uh, then there's a whole uh, whole group of people that are gluten intolerant. We talked about gluten enteropathy or uh, celiac sprue, mm-hmm. where it's an autoimmune disease. We have a whole group of people where they feel shitty on gluten, terrible mm-hmm. on gluten. They feel more depressed. They gain weight. They have more more skin problems, more mm-hmm. muscle aches. But you test them for autoimmune disease for against gluten, and there is mm-hmm. none. But they sure feel a lot better. They don't have to be as perfect yeah, about yeah. about about uh, avoiding gluten, but uh, but they sure feel a lot of better. And so it doesn't people... trigger that inflammatory response right. or that right. autoimmune response right. that you'd see in celiac sprue, but it still you can't absorb the That's gluten. Right. Yeah, and then some some physicians and some GI people believe that there's no such thing as gluten intolerance. But I firmly hmm. believe that uh, that that these people would not, you know, have to restrict their life and try to, in order to try to feel better if they could help it. Yeah, absolutely. So I, really, I really believe that it probably is uh, is real. Hmm. Um, and so uh, the, from there. Yeah. Okay. So um, malabsorptions are these all pretty straightforward to test for? You could, yeah. So it's some certain, of them are just elimination, right? right? If you eliminate that's, them and you feel better, that's, right. that's kind of yeah. how you know. Some of them are very basic elimination diet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You uh, most people can handle, uh, you know, table sugar, sucrose. So you know, they'll do a couple of weeks of if they really, really need to have something sweet. They'll have sucrose and uh, they'll stop their their um, artificial sweeteners and see how they feel and okay. stuff like that. It's yeah. easy. To, it's easy to avoid beans and um, and uh, and, um, and broccoli, ca- cauliflower, and broccoli. It'd be yeah. my husband's dream if we could avoid all those foods. Well, unfortunately, cru- cruciferous vegetables. Are probably some of the some of the best in terms of uh, cancer uh, fighting mm, agents. Are probably yeah. some of the best in cruciferous vegetables. Yeah. So yeah. hope hope you don't have that raffinose intolerance. Okay. So um, we're going to move on now to anatomical, and there are quite a few of these. Yeah. 
Um, one of the one of the problems we run into is gallbladder disease. Uh, Western in the Western world, we have quite a bit of gallbladder. Well, we should say what the gallbladder is. The gallbladder is not your urinary bladder. Mm. That's one thing. So okay. the gallbladder sits underneath your liver. Your liver is on if you're standing up, and your hand is on the right side of your body. Uh, your right hand is down to the right side. If you bring your hand up to, and underneath your right ribs, it sits your liver. Underneath that sits your gallbladder. Your gallbladder uh, is I call it a soap dispenser. Your liver makes the soap, it makes the, the bile, which is the gall, the old fashioned word, gall. gall. Um, and so it stands there and as the food comes down the pipe from your mouth through the stomach, through the small intestines, your gallbladder sits there and squirts bile to emulsify your fats. So it breaks up your fats. Oh, okay. So that's how it works. So your liver makes the bile, but it's actually because you're not eating all the time, you're not eating fats all the time. It's, it's stored in your bile, uh, in your gallbladder, and then the gallbladder squeezes, senses as it comes down through the small intestines, through the duodenum, the first part of the small intestines, and squirts uh, uh, bile uh, on, to- on top of the, uh, the fatty meals, and that emulsifies it. it. It breaks up the fat so you can better absorb it later in your small intestines. Okay. So if it turns out if your gallbladder has uh, stones or sludge, sludge, you can imagine like thick stuff like you know, sewage, mm. uh, then you buy, and then your gallbladder can't squeeze, and so un- ends up that your your fats go past it without being without any bile breaking being down. Interesting. And so the, the fats don't break down. The fats uh, the fats you can't absorb it. So the fats cause your bacteria to go berserk and also could draw a little bit of fluid in there. So you can diarrhea. Yeah. Also can cause some some of your fat uh, some of your bacteria to go berserk because there's a lot more yeah. nutrients for them to grow off of and stuff like that. And so you end up getting kind of this uh, after meals an hour a couple hours after meals. It's not right away. Uh, you'll get this maybe this bloating and, and cramping and, and diarrhea type yeah. stuff because you can't absorb your You fats. mentioned that this is something that we're seeing more commonly in the United States. So are these well, so, are these aggravated by kind of the American high-fat, high-sugar right. diet? So, yeah, it's not just recently, but it's just for decades now. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely correct. Yeah, we, we see it uh, typically, uh, you know, the old the old medical school term, uh, fat, 40 or 50, infertile. So the unfortunate <laughs> thing is is that it tends to happen more in women. Yeah. It tends to be uh, women who are not menopausal yet, so there's in their 20s and 30s and 40s, uh, and overweight and so this stuff. Men get it too, uh, uh, but but that's that's uh, so that's it tends to be um, a, a rich uh, rich uh, diet and uh, so the ones that seem to get more stones and st- yeah. sludge. Okay, that makes Cho- sense. Cholesterol stones. And yeah. Stuff. And then endometriosis again is the anatomical. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, then surgical procedures, like I mentioned before, there's certain ways that we bypass intestines for for weight loss. We do it for whenever you get ulcers in your intestines, and we have to cut out part of your intestines, mm. or where your intestines are bound up in um, with uh, uh, with adhesions, and they, they may choke off the blood supply. So you have to cut out parts of the intestines and reattach the intestines, mm-hmm. so you don't reattach it the way that the good Lord intended. Uh, so that you, so you end up having. Uh, making pockets and uh, altering kind of the, uh, the 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 certain flow, including bacteria, so you can get a SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth with, surg- with these surgical procedures. Does it not having the the um like the square footage, the amount of length of uh, the regular, does that impact it very much? Not, not unless you have severe severe uh, removal, uh, quite a bit of removal, which would make you mal- which could cause a severe problem. But no, typically it's not because you've removed so much. Usually whenever we remove parts of the small intestines, you can remove essentially essentially the whole colon and do fairly well. Part of the small intestines, which is now attached to your rectum, uh, if you don't have if you don't have a, a, a if you don't have a um, uh, uh, ileostomy bag, uh-huh. uh, uh, then well even with you, then some of the, the terminal inte- small intestines will get back will get bacterial uh, overgrowth. Overgrowth. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah. 
Uh, so uh, then uh, diabetic enteropathy. So long-standing diabetics, uh, you've heard of the sometimes diabetic neuropathy in their feet. They could also get, get neuropathy to their intestines, uh, mm. so the nerves that control the intestines. So some of these people will have diarrhea, sometimes constipation, uh, but that's because they, they've kind of uh, they're, they're killed off some of the nerves or made sick some of the nerves because of high blood sugars for so long. So the high blood sugars actually mm-hmm. damages the, right. the Ner- nerves, nerves endings. Blood vessels, blood and, wow, interesting. Blood vessels and nerves. That's wow. Great. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so diabetic enteropathy. So these people mm-hmm. can uh, have uh, problems with with their peristalsis, the movement from the mouth through the anus. Right. I, we didn't say this, but from your mouth to the anus is a big long tube. Yeah. Essentially, you can. You, it's a squeeze. It relaxes ahead of the um, food bolus and behind it, it squeezes. So it relaxes in front of it. It squeezes from behind the food bolus. It pushes it down from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. That's why you can hang upside down and and swallow. And, yeah. You know, it squeezes up uh, even upstream. Uh, then, uh, then uh, also uh, short bowel syndrome. This is a uh, dumping syndrome. So once again, you kind of alluded to this. Sometimes we remove so much of your intestines for a variety of reasons. Inflammatory bowel disease is one of them, like Crohn's, that we, we, we you don't have enough uh, mileage to absorb everything that you sure. need to absorb. So yeah. you can malabsorb. Uh, that's uh, that, but we cause that by giving you a short bowel, and we call it dumping syndrome. Whenever you eat, you end up having diarrhea because there's so much. There's not uh, things move so fast; it doesn't have a chance to absorb everything because mm-hmm. you've cut out so much of the intestines. So, to, to do you essentially just have to eat very smaller right. and so more frequent you can meals. Have a, to... well, you can have something called an elemental diet, where we have some stuff that's already broken down for you, so, uh, that, yeah. so the body doesn't have to work so hard to break it down before it absorbs yeah. it. Mm-hmm. So that you could sense. have elemental so, so, supplements, so elements. Uh, like iron, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, then the next thing is fistulas. Uh, fistulas, there's abnormal connections between intestines and other sections of the intestines or between intestines and your abdom- abdominal wall or pelvic organs. So it's pretty, it's a weird, it's a weird setup, but it happens yeah. oftentimes after surgeries, sometimes even after GYN surgeries, yeah. unfortunately. Absolutely. Uh, so you can have abnormal connections uh, between uh, your bladder and your vagina, mm-hmm. between your rectum and your vagina. So you get poop, you get poop out of your pee, you get poop out of your vagina. It's uh, it's crazy stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, uh, but also sometimes uh, fistulas, depending if it's with the pancreas, et cetera, you can end up having uh, 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 GI upset, uh, 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 diarrhea and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And uh, I, I think sometimes I think of like, it's actually like tunnel. Like a, it's a small tunnel. Like it's a, not, it's small, not, it's a small not, tunnel. Yeah, it's, it's, like the, it's like sometimes a, like a pencil. It's not tip. just like scar tissue branching to no. touch something new. No, this it's is an actual, actual connection. Okay, yeah. yeah. They actually, it's, a, it's an opening, abnormal opening between two viscous structures. Sure. A, a vagina, a bladder, a, 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 rectum, a rectum okay. a, a, a colon, a small intestine. Yeah. Sounds uh, brutal. So, yeah. Uh, next thing is chronic pancreatic enzyme insufficiency. So some people will have chronic pancreatitis. Uh, sometimes it's drinkers. People, uh, it's not acute pancreatitis, which is high uh, amylase and lipase and acute pain and fever. Those are people sometimes in the ICU. But chronic pancreas, so if you've had repeated pancreas inflammation, sometimes just uh, chronic mild with alcohol inflama- causing inflammation, your pancreas kind of peters out. Your pancreas does two big things. Mm. Endocrine pancreas makes insulin that goes uh, to the bloodstream and helps with sugar regulation. And exocrine pancreas, which helps with uh, protein uh, breakdown and, and carbohydrate starch breakdown and fat breakdown. So if your pancreas is not is, is sick, chronically sick because it's been inflamed so much, you sometimes will become diabetic, but it also you sometimes will not absorb uh, protein or fats or carbs very well. We have some medicines to replace part of, well, we have insulin to replace part of it if the pancreas doesn't make enough insulin. We have also something, uh, we have also enzyme, enzyme proteins, I'm sorry, enzyme, uh, I'm sorry, pancreatic enzymes 
uh, that uh, will replace um, uh, uh, the, some of the enzymes that break down carbs or starches, proteins, and fats. So these people have to have multiple pills multiple times a day as they eat. Yeah, wow. Uh, multiple capsules, yeah. Uh, uh, so, uh, but if you, as you can imagine, if you don't have some of these uh, uh, exocrine uh, pain, uh, enzymes, you'll have diarrhea. Sure. As you, as you eat foods, you'll, you'll, you won't be absorbed, break down and therefore absorb. Yeah. Therefore, you'll end up in your so stool. So get anatomical in malabsorption. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's right. Yep. One that sometimes we forget about, is, uh, especially after me, uh, that happens in abdominal pain after meals, and sometimes with diarrhea, is superior mesenteric artery insufficiency. So you have to have a blood flow to every part of your body, including your intestines. Your intestines needs more blood flow after you eat. Uh, so uh, it takes a while between your mouth and your stomach, and between your stomach, uh, so maybe a couple, two, three hours to get through your stomach, and then uh, so several hours after your uh, uh, after you uh, eat. Uh, it'll go to small intestines, but if you don't have enough blood supply through the superior mesenteric artery, uh, sometimes uh, you will uh, you will uh, um, your, that part of intestines cannot handle the food because mm-hmm. it doesn't have enough blood flow to come through it. So you'll have belly pain and diarrhea. Mm. Uh, so that's kind of some of the stuff is just plain old. You can tell the timing, sure. stuff like that. Uh, certain types of cancers are, 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 are weird and rare, but uh, but uh, so neuroendocrine. So this is, as you can imagine, is from the nervous system and the endocrinological system tumors, uh, carcinoid and uh, gastronomas and insulinomas and uh, vasoactive intestinal peptide uh, uh, tumors, things that you've never heard of and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, the uh, the but the end result is that they can also. Um, uh, cause uh, GI upset uh, and and uh, sometimes flushing and diarrhea, mm-hmm. um, uh, sometimes even hypertension. Uh, so they're very very rare. Uh, and like I mentioned before, if you have, the reason, main reason to have small bowel lymphomas is that you have untreated or undiagnosed and untreated celiac um, uh, sprue. Sure. And then the one thing that we have in our older folks, especially in nursing homes, is uh, fecal impaction, stool impaction, constipation. You say, well, that's easy, but sometimes it's, it's a little high. You can't use it's not from uh, so they have loose stools. So you're five feet of your colon. You, you, people don't realize this. It's liquid after you chew it. It's in your stomach and it goes with the stomach acid juices. It's liquid. Your 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 contents are liquid until the last two or three feet of right, your colon. Right, where the water is reabsorbed. Where, yep, where it's reabsorbed is a massive amount of reabsorption mm-hmm. in your colon. So you can imagine if um, if you're constipated up high, you know, a foot up uh, from your from the from the rectum, um, that there's a lot of liquid backed up behind the solid f- uh, fecal impaction. So sometimes there's so much pressure it'll squirt around the solid. Yeah. It, won't, it won't push the solid piece right. uh, out, but it'll squirt around, so you'll get tons of diarrhea. And, and you'll have cramps and all sorts of stuff, but uh, but you have not relieved the, uh, the the what we call high impaction. Mm-hmm. And so some of these people, oftentimes they're elderly. Uh, well, uh, if you can relieve the impaction, they'll have quite a bit of diarrhea, but then they can get back to maybe a more yeah. normal uh, bowel habits. Yep. And so essentially, being sedentary can kind of can mm-hmm. be a real trigger for that, correct? Yes, yeah, there are okay. a bunch of reasons. We, we as we grow older, we tend not to be as thirsty. We tend not to get up and get grab water, so we're less water, more dehydrated mm-hmm. on average. Uh, if you're more more debilitated, um, we tend to not eat as much fiber for a variety of reasons, including chewing and, and dental dentition and mm. um, and um, uh, and uh, dentures, and then um, and we're not as active. Uh, so a bunch of reasons for us. And we're, if we're on anti antidepressants or narcotics, um, uh, we tend to become more dep- uh, more constipated. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, okay, so that there are there are a lot of possible causes for IBS. We certainly have established that today. I think um you know, kind of in connection to, you know, our previous episode we were talking about low back pain, kind of how to 
how to, you know, figure out and pinpoint some of this stuff. Right. Obviously, when you go to see your doctor, um, they're going to be thinking about the most common and likely causes right. for some of these symptoms. Um, but after that comes the differential diagnosis, right, where they have to think about all the other d- possibilities. They hopefully think of it to get all together, but that, then they just pick the most likely ones. Sure. The easiest one to treat or to, to diagnose or to, 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 to go look for sure. uh, first. Yeah. So what do you suggest to people it, that are, you know, trying to see their doctors for their IBS system, symptoms? They're just not resolving. Right. How, do you, how do you get to some of these more specific diagnoses or hard yeah. to hard to catch diagnoses even yeah so uh, unfortunately you have to have somebody who's usually uh, either you have a very interested primary care doctor uh, or uh, or typically a gi physician mm-hmm. uh, you end up uh, that's why the number one reason number one reason to see a gi physician is irritable bowel syndrome uh, we should probably ibs or uh, like symptoms because right. like like we notice here not every one of them irritable bowel by the way irritable bowel is not uh, these are all things that are not irritable bowel right they mimic irritable bowel yeah. Yes. And if you, if the, nobody's ever going to do all these tests, but if if you don't have any of these, then we could call it irritable bowel. Sure. Usually, they've eliminated. <laughs> you're not having fevers. You're not gluten intolerant. You don't, you can eat. You can eat. You know. Mm-hmm. You, you don't eat uh, uh, artificial sweeteners. They can pretty much eliminate. You don't have to do yeah. much to, to figure some of these things out. Uh, so. Uh, so they irritable bowel like symptoms, or, sure. uh, so that's the other thing. So part of this stuff is is kind of kind of make a checklist to say, hey, this is this is what I this is what I this is. Oftentimes they want you to have a food log or whatever. It's kind of like a headache log for people that have yeah. headaches. When you get them, is it the weather? Is it what you eat? Is it sleep? So you know, food. Uh, so you can get a food. You can download one from the internet. Kind of a food log, not for calorie counting and stuff like that, right. but for irritable bowel type sure. stuff to see what the triggers. Like, oh, every time I go out and eat a salad at you know blah blah blah. I tend, you know, I tend to have uh, you know grass and bloating and diarrhea, mm-hmm. and so. But but if I eat a salad that I make at home, I tend not to have that. Even if I use, you know, if I make my own dressing. So some people in the old days we used to think sulfites that they spray on um, cut vegetables to prevent them from browning. Uh, we th- we used to think that some people were sensitive to that. Oh. So um, so we, we don't fully understand. You know, people. Uh, some people premedicate before they leave. They've had ir- quote unquote irritable bowel for many years. They just premedicate. They take Imodium before they leave right. to go eat a nice restaurant, so they don't have to get up and and run to the bathroom. Right. Uh, typically, between mouth and, uh, and rectum, it takes it takes about twenty four hours to to, to f- what you eat to show up in your stool. But some of these people are like you know within an hour or two, they're so just, just it feels it's, you know it's yeah. just it feels like it just races through. Now some of it is of course stuff from the the day before, mm-hmm. but they literally gurgling and uh, we call it borbigamy, all this gurgling, gurgling and, and sucking noises and stuff in your intestines. <laughs> you have, have babies. Mm. So all that, all that, all that stuff that's sloshing around. Yeah, yeah, we actually have a name for it. Anyway. Wow, that's just delightful. Um, <laughs> so everybody, everybody should see your face. <laughs> Um, so I, I guess this sort of comes down to how, how can I avoid a lot of this? Yeah, like with, well, so certainly are, I think... Is not even avoidable? I mean, <laughs> right. Certainly exercise and decreasing stress helps in sleeping right and eating fiber, you know, balance. Yeah. balance. I'm not telling people to be vegetarian or vegan. Uh, balance, you know, uh, 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 as I say, colors, uh, colors uh, all sorts of colors of vegetables so you can get uh, everything from fiber to vitamins to uh, some other... Uh, um, uh, some other important uh, chemicals. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's something like thirty thousand chemicals in the foods that we eat. Uh, these are natural parts of yeah, not, not, right. not 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 chemical. Um, uh, not uh, synthetic uh, yeah, chemicals. Not, yeah, not synthetics and stuff. So, uh, is our diet is? Uh, I think we need to just have a cleaner cleaner eating. It doesn't have to be 
uh, you know, non-GMO and stuff like sure. that. But but some cleaner eating tends to help. I think less processing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. I think, less added sugars. Right. Less refined right. oils. That, right. Those kinds of things. So that's some of the problems that we run into is that they suck up all your calories and stuff, and then you don't feel like eating some of the regular, or the more healthful stuff because you could pack in so many calories with the soft, mushy stuff that's been processed. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but anyway, so the end result is. Yeah, if it, start like with some of that general health, and it, it hopefully helps you with your energy and yeah. lack of don't have as much uh, feeling sleepy after lunch and all that stuff like that. Sure. Um, but 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 yeah, you should be able to get uh, and people. You know, people should know that they get you know however many bowel habits. If somebody will ask you how many bowel moves you have per day. Have you had any change in your bowel habits? Increase or decrease? Have you changed consistency? Are you now having diarrhea when you used to have more firm or and stuff? So some of the stuff they'll ask and you'll say I don't know. But you can take a couple of weeks and just. To, you know, scribble it down in a, sure. sort of a simple chart. It makes a nice difference for you to understand and for your doc or whomever. To Are there out. other environmental irritants like alcohol or smoking or anything that can aggravate some of these symptoms? Yeah, I've not I've not seen uh, specifically smoking. Alcohol. Actually, smoking. Actually, uh, actually, they use nicotine for inflammatory bowel disease. Uh, believe it or not, uh, as nicotine patches, we don't want to huh. give people, but it can help with certain inflammatory, like Crohn's, uh, if I remember correctly. But anyway, but the, typically, I've not seen it directly. Some people will obviously will will, will can obviously say that they if they, there's if a they connection, have, yeah, right. Uh-huh. If they have if they have well, certainly for gluten for people with gluten problems, uh, beer, typical beer that's not yeah. that's not gluten free can be a significant problem. Gotcha. Uh, some people, unfortunately, go. If they're gluten, they end up doing wine and hard liquor. That's the that's a, that's for them the trade off. It's like, oh, I can't have beer, so I'm like, no, that's not yeah. a good trade off. Uh, so I've not seen it directly. It's interesting. I've not seen it as much uh, with the specifically with kind of these belly and sure. bowel symptoms. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but you um you know people can use all of the good uh you know tools that we were suggesting in our previous episode too mm-hmm. about getting some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, WebMD and Mayo Clinic will ha- be sources for these like long lists, like clearinghouses right. of information right. for all of the possible things right. that could be contributing. Web, web, WebMD.com and uh, MayoClinic.org, O-R-G. Right. Uh, those are uh, really, they do a nice job of collecting all this information in easy to read form. And as you've said before, the... Doctors are, are looking at similar resources too. The, these are the, mm-hmm. these are the types of resources that are not not mm-hmm. that your doc is getting on WebMD in between right. seeing you, but so, you know, their their sources of information mm-hmm. are similar for those kinds of That's sites, right. and it's okay and and good to you know be educated about the different yeah, things. Yeah, I that want could people be... to be educated. I want people to ask questions, and so hopefully your doc would, could say, oh, you know. Um, I, you know, if they say, well, you know, gluten enteropathy, this tends to be Northern European genetics and, you know, you're not Northern European genetics. So it's unlikely that's going to be that. And that's fine. Yeah, this is appropriate. Uh, when the doc should be able to say a few sentences or look up something and right. be able to tell you why, why yes or why no, that you're right or wrong and to, what you've read about that applies to you specifically. Sure. Absolutely. So those resources can be really a, yeah. a valuable tool. Obviously, you're not diagnosing yourself no, looking questions. for the, wor- the worst possible scenario. No. In looking at that, and you shouldn't freak yourself out by assuming, oh, look, my my symptoms no. all line up with cancer. I must have a deadly cancer. Right. But just knowing that there here here's a list, here's a resource that can give you a list of possibilities That's that you right. can ask more informed questions to your doctor yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, you kind of you want to. Yeah, I want people to come in with kind of an idea. You know, like any like anybody. If you listen to go to listen to a lecture, they want you to have you know ask intelligent questions and sure. stuff like that. So that means you read up or you're interested in the topic and. and it's your body and it's uh, some of these things are chronic and mm-hmm. so you're going to have it for a long time to come 
Yeah, and uh, so, yeah, it's, um, a lot of stuff I think, as I was thinking about this the other day, a lot of stuff I, we should start off is I want people to reprioritize their health a little higher up, uh, you know, their, their, mm -hmm. their, their, their kids and their spouse or their partner and their church or synagogue or, or temple and, you know, two, three, and, uh, somewhere down there, your, your irritable bowel that bothers you. Right. Uh, you know, sometimes yeah. I have to say maybe some days to kind of prioritize, sometimes it'll prioritize it for an Yourself. hour or two, yeah. an hour or two, whatever you go see the GI doctor and they're out of there. As soon as yeah. they're out, anything that's been written down or handouts or yeah. they're out of there they're like the next time i see you i'll look at it the night before yeah so yeah absolutely okay well thank you for yeah. you know sharing your Thanks wealth of knowledge with us this one's uh, once again you know taken directly from the not your doc blog um which will be linked in our brand spanking new website that seth is going to be rolling out for us yeah, soon is it not your doc.com what yep, is it? Yeah, that's right. That's correct. Notyourdoc.com coming soon. We'll let you know when that goes live. Um, in the podcast description for this episode, we're going to have some more uh, resources for you as well mm -hmm. to look at this, some some links that Dr. Tadro suggests. Mm -hmm. um, as always, if you want to send us any specific questions or get involved with the podcast, you can send us an email to notyourdocpod at gmail.com. We always want your feedback and participation. Um we're going to have a, a lot more discussions like this. Hopefully some guests yep. coming up here pretty soon. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, we're going to have them stretched out probably through the spring. Yeah, some guests. Uh, so uh, we're looking to have a general surgeon um, mm -hmm. um, who's has probably 40 years of experience, uh, um, sleep medicine physician who's also intensive care unit physician and a lung doctor. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm going to try to get uh, a couple of pain management specialists um, and um, – so and one of the one of the um, our, our local um, inf uh, um, um, addiction specialists. Yeah. So we have some yeah some good uh, topics that we see and deal with a lot. And right. We have specialists that know more than much more than I do. So for sure, I feel like we're we're making good on some of the promises or you know right. things that we highlighted right. in our in our pilot episode if, last if, year. If people so. want to hear about non medical items, uh, I mean, you know, I'm always happy. We have friends who are attorneys and friends who are. English teachers, we can, we can, I, I think a lot of stuff is uh, that um, uh, makes people interested in listening to us and thinking about things is, is cool for us to highlight. Absolutely. It's good to be with you all today. I'm Vanessa and with Dr. Tadros and Seth, we are signing off for now. Thank you very much. See you later. This previous podcast represents my opinions and the opinions of my guests. This is not medical advice, and I'm not establishing a physician-patient relationship with any listener. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only, and because each patient is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions that you may have.